0: EMSradio.com.
1: EMS information for the next generation.
0: The EMS Garage is a production of EMSradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter at EMS Garage. Email us, EMSgarage at gmail.com. Or call us, 303-720-6001. This episode of the EMS Garage is brought to you by Audible.com. Over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, and more. Get a free audiobook download for your MP3 or iPod. Just go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash EMS Garage. The EMS Garage.
2: checking out right now. Okay, I got uh on the phone there I want to know if uh you can handle that call as well. Just confirming your check in the basement. Sale 22
0: is off Hello everybody and welcome to the EMS Garage. I'm Chris Monterey, your host. We're live on Ustream today, thanks to Medtronic Foundation and gems.com. So uh, we're here at EMS Today 2011 in Baltimore and I'm excited to have the four to six people that are coming on the show today because we're we're going to rotate in and out guests but currently my co-host is Mr. Skip Kirkwood. Hello sir.
2: Hey Chris, how are you doing? I'm good. Excellent. Nice to see you. I'm glad to,
0: I'm glad you're here. Glad to be here. I haven't seen you at a show with me in a while. It's been 2 years. Were you you were on like the first time we did this i would just kind of pull you off the show floor and go hey we're doing a podcast you want to do one yeah sure why not yep. I'll, I'll fill in any time so thank you for coming on i appreciate it good to the, be here this one's actually more coordinated wouldn't you say this is very organized yeah i know well we have we have an executive we producer an executive, yes, exactly we do. and we have production people and lots of i know it's crazy official so, photographer i know <laughs> it's great uh, also joining me next to him is Mr. Steve Barry, who's been goading me into having him on, or and guilting me since I pretty much started this, but I send him email and he never answers me.
3: Goading you? Yeah. I've been waiting. G-O-A-T? Mm-hmm. No, goading. So is that a medical okay, term?
0: Yeah, not goading. I don't. I don't. You don't go to anybody. You can go to them. Oh, sorry. This, this it's, it's, about it's my animals. it's my Coloradan accent. Sorry. You'll get used going. to that. You live I, in Colorado now. I, I, I bet Steve oh. could goat you. <laughs> Don't talk about our goats that way. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> so, so, Steve, who are you? Like anybody needs to introduce you. And where are you from? Oh, and I'm what do a, you do?
3: You know where I'm at. I'm in Colorado. I'm your, in your neck of the woods. I know. I know. You never invite me over. We never send me flowers I know. I, I know. I try. Is, is that because yeah. he lives in a dry county or something? Oh, he's one of those mm-hmm. uh, elevated people who lives Dude, like live 2,000 a- feet above me. So. No, no,
0: no. I live in an elevation very similar to you. Actually, I think you're higher than me. Maybe right <laughs> now I am. <laughs> uh, get, man, I just and leave that, it open. That's leave why, it open.
2: That's why his hair burned off and yours did Right,
0: exactly. Well, we were talking about age that's earlier. a life choice.
2: That's Apparently, a
3: life choice. All right. a life Apparently life.
0: we're the same age. So uh, you, you write something or you draw pictures. Is that well, right? Well, in the picture well, book?
3: The reason I, I, I say I can't come on this presentation because I'm a cartoonist. So I'm going to draw on the table right now and not say anything. You already did that. Time. I have it in my backpack. With yeah, me. But I'm not going to say that. I'm it's copyrighted. You can't sell it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm going to frame it. Uh, no, I, I still actually work the streets. I'm still a great. I know. You know, that's where the material is. So, I know. So when people say, why'd you go back? I said, I've, I'm running dry. So
0: No, that's good. Yeah. So I'm Very okay. cool. Well, we're glad. So who's out there? Oh, Steve. Oh, you gotta! Oh, you gotta speak up. Talk he, louder. He told me
3: not to fondle or. Lick. No, I said you can he said fondle, don't but lick don't
0: lick. The microphone. Get close enough to lick it, but don't do it.
3: Do I have to start over
0: again? No, we can. No, we'll we'll edit it. We'll. I'll edit that out.
4: Can you get him a tissue
0: for
3: can crying I, out loud?
0: <laughs> just. Can I stroke the <laughs> mic?
3: That's. What, can I do? Wait. Oh
0: my gosh! Okay, so moving right along, uh, the other. Lovely guy down there at the end is Dr. Ed Rock. Hello, sir.
4: Hello. How are you?
0: Good. And you're now with AMR. I am indeed. Cool. Are you living in Colorado now? No, I live in Atlanta. Still. Oh, you are? Still oh, live okay. in Atlanta. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So how's the how's the transition gone?
4: Absolutely fabulous. Cool. Just a few things to learn. Right. It's pretty easy. Small organization. Yeah, I, I, heard,
0: I heard they're small. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I always pictured it going bigger. But uh, wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, no, it's been fabulous. AM, AMR is huge. And how do you? How many EMTs and paramedics are you responsible for in that role?
4: We have, and actually, I just asked this question last week. About fourteen thousand seven hundred EMT, paramedics, nurses. Wow. Wow. That's give uh, or take a 1,000 yeah. or so. And have
2: you learned okay. the names of all the <laughs> medical directors for whom you're yes. responsible? Um, yes,
4: only their middle names, <laughs> just their middle <laughs> names. So there's about 88 medical directors out there, too. So cool. there's wow. a wow. lot of folks. Amazing. Holy cow. Yeah, that's impressive.
0: That's very impressive. Now, is this a full-time job or a full-time position with them? It is
4: a full-time position. Nice. So started in uh, about September. Cool. And, September. and
0: what's, your, what's your main goal there to, you know, do medical directing things do you do you direct them moving no things yeah, they
4: actually direct me which is a good thing nice the uh um, which all kidding aside is uh, is a philosophy it's a practice of medicine philosophy so right. if uh, anyone were to go in and say hey you need to do it this way that's that's not how medicine evolves so it's to kind of pull us all together as a uh, a big practice of medicine and uh kind of, the, it's the Unimind. You know the Unimind on uh, Buzz Lightyear? Oh, yeah. The Little Green Men? So the Unimind, there, where there's... <laughs> there's Are as, you the claw? As people in the Ooh, audience look at me and claw. say, boy, this is... No, I'm not the claw, for crying <laughs> out. But taking the brain power and saying, you know what? We can make some pretty good decisions in terms of patient care and the industry and medicine and... So let's put that you to mind together.
0: Well, now, all serious. In all seriousness, though, you guys have one of the largest EMS databases, maybe in the world. I don't know. Four, several million. I know four or five million records. You correct?
4: are spot on. You probably know more about that than I do. There's about um, my colleague Scott Born, um, who runs and drives that database. Does a beautiful job. Uh, there are about 10 million um, patients in there now. We see about 3 million patients a year, which interestingly, and we were just having this discussion this morning, um, we, AMR practices across the board, will see about 27,300 cardiac arrests this year. Whoa. So if you look at the data, which is spot on, that's why your question came up, the ability to look at, you know, what are we doing, what makes a difference is pretty substantial.
0: Wow. So... That Well, I think that your ability to look at quality and really do that medical director stuff, even though I was teasing you, um, you have the potential to move our industry in ways that we may not have ever thought about before, just with that data set alone. Yeah. And I think that's huge. That's, no, and and right. you guys have been nice about giving it out to people, too, saying, hey, you can analyze it if you want or use it.
4: That's been a, uh, and, and very honestly, I mean, that's that's one of the attractions I had for a fairly significant career change here, is this idea that 27,300 cardiac arrest patients could right. go to our colleagues in academia, our colleagues in other um, uh, academic institutions who could look at that data and drill down and say, you know what, people who've got blue eyes on a Saturday who arrest between x and y do better than you know uh, another subpopulation so you're (laughs) right sharing sharing that data with academia diving down looking at it and looking at different protocols practices populations is fascinating
0: cool very cool yeah so on a lighter note you know, do you look at data? Well, wait,
3: do you? wait a minute, I have, maybe I have something serious. Okay, okay, all right. I wow, was, law, I was waiting. Hold on, hold on. By law, I don't think the participants can ask questions here. Oh, no. you yeah, he right can, he can. Like, can he, he can, he can. Oh, let's yeah, talk about uh, evidence-based medicine, and then there's Steve. <laughs> 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 on a lighter note. <laughs> no, I was
0: actually. You don't even know where I was going to go with that maybe comment. I, uh,
3: maybe I have something serious to say. I
0: was, I was, I was actually going to go with. Stop,
3: everybody! <laughs> freeze. freeze! Steve yeah. has something serious. Yeah. To okay.
0: Say. All right. The podcast police. <laughs>
3: I was just going to say it's kind of cold in here. <laughs> Can you turn the heat? Just cold.
5: <laughs> God, you're killing me. No, seriously. Uh. What, what did
0: I was going to say? And on a lighter note, would you like to add anything to the discussion, Steve? Thanks a lot. Appreciate yeah.
3: it. To what, To what? this fine gentleman? To yeah. My, just Aren't you his employee a, or something, too? Yeah, I used to work for AMR. Oh, I thought and you did back. Know. You don't know? He has my statistics. Oh. Oh, hey, uh, had I, I known, know. I would have brought them with oh, me. Oh,
0: we could have shown, like, all right. those. And
4: those
2: are on the negative right. scale. Steve Barry's IV what? success rate. That, that oh, would, would be a special one. Nice. Print it, frame it,
3: sign it. Hey, if you can't do the medicine, at least you can illustrate it. So, that's <laughs> what <Right>. I... <laughs> You probably have my status of cardiac arrest saves, which I'm sure I've skewered it w- I, way too high.
4: Actually, we don't right now, but. They set the bar by, by the you. morning. It's, yeah. it's the
3: berry bar. <laughs> the,
0: the berry bar. <laughs> well, I'm going to be at the berry oh, bar later. I uh, hope people aren't paying money to listen to this conversation. <laughs> they, it's free. It's podcasting. We don't give. We give it away. We have fallen over the wait, edge, we right? We're, we're in, in EMS and, and we minute, give it away. Yeah, you we're didn't say this is free. Abyss.
3: You didn't say this was free. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: out of here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so okay, but on a more serious topic, <laughs> just for you, let's talk about the EMS Memorial Bike Ride because oh, I'd that. Be happy. Okay. Because that to me is very important. Something you guys started.
3: Mm, about five years ago, was it? Six. six. Well, well it's, it's been around uh, almost ten years. Right. It kind of had a lull. Um, and and a, a group of us got together and said it just needed to be taken to that next level. It, you know, Like I say, it was a, a group of some fine gentlemen who put the ride together. And um, then this one year, uh, uh, some great people from uh, all over the country, about 16 of us, got together and said, it, we need to really make this a national event. And, uh, right. So in those terms, yeah, it's, it's actually been around six years from that standpoint. Okay. And, uh, and now it's uh, it's very dear to my heart. It's something I'm very proud to be part of, and that's it's actually a, a memorial ride in honor of our line of duty deaths. And uh, we have several uh, events going across the country this year. One during EMS Week, um, which is in May, and then we have another one in Colorado. It rides to the actual National EMS Memorial right. Service in June, and we have one going out of Kentucky, and we have a day event in Louisiana. So. It, we think it's, it creates a lot of things, creates a lot of healing. It's hard to be melancholy on a bike, you know. Right. So, though you're celebrating, uh, uh, you're celebrating these lives, but, so it's not just like a funeral procession. We're we're actually uh, spending a week together in spandex. Ooh, yeah. nice, uh, Steven yeah. spandex. Wow. Yeah. Does yeah. the Here's does the
0: does the head help with your aerodynamic? My head is
3: fine. I don't need a helmet. It's it's. it's that was, just I just coined
0: a term like Bush there, aerodynamicity. <laughs>
3: Oh,
2: jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spaghetti strainer. You wear okay. a spaghetti strainer Oh, that's, and right. that's yeah, about yeah, it. Point. And, that's and to, to make go. sure they haven't become too melancholy when they arrive at the destination, they're greeted with the screaming crowds and pipes and drums. Mm. Yes. And what's yes. more to ask for? How can you no. be melancholy with out-of-tune bagpipes? And
3: oh, bagpipes every a time. I know. In
0: fact,
3: I love uh, the, the pipers you had here at EMS today, uh, they greet us um, Oh, at the nice. end of each ride. The same guys. Uh, same guys and girls. They're, they're, so That's they're private. always there. Um, now tell us about the actual week in
0: the event. And there, Do you guys know the East Coast route yet or no? Uh,
3: yeah, we, we pretty much won't know it. I mean, it's tweaked here and there because we also try to, you know, we go, well, okay, we had five die on this route, so maybe we need to... Uh, no, that didn't happen. Um, but we get... We get, we get <laughs> We get, we get uh, certain routes that we might say, okay, maybe 100 miles was a little too hard today because right. there were so many hills, and you tweak it here and there. Um, but, ma- but mainly, <clears throat> this year we're starting out of Boston. Cool. And we'll end up in Washington, D.C. Huh. Uh, six days later. And uh, like I said, we're trying to make it so that it's challenging, yet at the same time, you know, this isn't to scare people, say, well, i got to be, you know, Lance Armstrong. It should be, you know, somebody gets on a bike, trains for two months, they're, they're going to be okay right and uh and a lot of people aren't bikers they want to do support, and so we need them too and uh, like I said, it's bringing a lot of awareness I think that we haven't had in the in the past about our fallen and, and like i said it's uh it's uh for me it was a personal loss of of my partner and and to be able to take that energy uh and and make it into something positive. Give meaning to it, if you want, if you will. Um, and now I want to return that gift to others who might be hurting out there, who might have suffered a loss. Right. And uh, like I said, uh, everyone knows how to ride a bike. I mean, except. Chris, I'm not sure. I, I don't. Well, they, they, my
0: training wheels are at the highest part now, so I'm getting closer. Really close. Yeah. Well, really close. We keep trying that's, to get you on board. I know. I know. So, uh, training wheels uh, on a tricycle,
4: well, though, Chris. I mean, that's way <laughs> too many wheels. It's like Belton it.
0: suspenders, I've heard.
4: <laughs> so I, I have to tell you something, Steve. I don't know if you know this. When I was in uh, Austin, many of my colleagues participated in the ride, and they would blog during the ride so that the rest mm-hmm. of the folks their colleagues in Austin and around central Texas could kind of keep up with what was going on and the stories about some of our fallen colleagues out there were transmitted so it was even larger mm-hmm. than what you guys were doing That from the road they'd uh, they'd kind of log in and say here's where we are here's what we're doing
3: absolutely
2: yeah, to get i, I the, have i have a distracted driving visual from that Guy pedaling yeah. over the Rocky Mountains on his bicycle, uh texting on his BlackBerry to keep his friends updated on the National EMS Memorial. The hard bike, parts right? all the foil <laughs> on
4: the bike that's got to go up in the rural parts of the ride. But no, seriously, like, it yeah, had, a had a huge impact hmm. on people that that weren't even participating in in the ride, but got the scoop from uh,
3: folks that were. It's pretty neat. Yeah, and uh, like I said, I think uh, we had you all on board too that would be great it'd be know, fun keep us updated you know keep you updated and your your listeners updated and uh like i said you get used to spandex it's just an attitude hey i like it but my hope <laughs> my my point is is Alrighty could then I, could, <laughs> I, could i could i hop on my bike
0: say n- at the national archives and just ride the rest of the way in with you that would that be okay it's like a couple blocks right
3: yeah as long okay. as you're behind me and not in front of me i'm good with that all right know. fine
0: you mean well no I look good no. in spandex, baby. No. You, <laughs> I lived through the 80s. No. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> the visuals <No. laughs> are overwhelming. <laughs> won't go there. Yeah, okay. Um, well, and w- do you guys know the western route? Is there another route for that? Yeah. For in well, Colorado yeah or um,
3: well, we have uh, one, uh, Louisiana. That's a one-day event. Okay. Um, and the Kentucky actually contingency. They, they link up with our Boston group. Nice. So Kind of like a spoke. A yeah. Okay, cool. But the Western one, that was kind of put together last minute last year, um, almost three months before we did it, and uh, that was so it was only a one-day event. But we ended up having 80 riders, 85 riders, and almost 80 support staff, uh, and to throw that together that quick was an amazing thing. And and this year it's three days, so now we're cool. going to start in Laramie, Wyoming. Wow, and, and it's all over. downhill then. It's south, yeah, it's yeah follow the highway south, it's and easy. you're going down. Yeah, and, and you know. But we now really that's actually, my kind of bike ride. I might
2: have to try one of those <laughs> but we actually don't uh, you, we don't,
3: we don't go through the mountain. I think a lot of people think we're we're you know, going to do this uh, uh, you know, mountain goat thing, but we don't i mean it's uh, you pretty much follow the lip of the front range of Colorado, and uh, there's really not that much al- uh, altitude changes whatsoever uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> it's the altitude thing. that you're at while you're doing it that's part of okay yeah start a mile Same. up and after that, it's easy. Uh, good point. And the air's lighter, so you're more like, aerodynamic. Oh,
0: right, right. Nice. That's uh, the hair. Yeah.
3: And when we put mask pants on you, you inflate <laughs> easier because of the yeah, changes. And when you go up and down? Yeah, yeah you puff and go out. Yeah. It's, well, I know I'm getting excited when we talk about <laughs> this. Yeah. All right. Skip, save us. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've been trying oh, to think away. We,
0: we've,
2: we've gone from goats to mass pants. And I said goad, not no. goat. Oh, you said I goat. <laughs> think, <laughs> think you'll about have goats. to play the... No, I will I play hope, it yeah.
0: back. I, my, I mess up my T's and D's sometimes. makes it sound the same. Anyway, so on a on a seriously lighter
3: note, there you go. How
0: about that? Like now, that, that was
3: a beautiful trend. What are you going to talk about tomorrow? Um, tomorrow, um, Jim's asked me to do a closing on the Joy of EMS, which is an oxymoron, I know, but... Um, the idea here is, uh, I actually did this talk about 11 years ago here, and so I said, you "Why, know, well, you know, 11 years? You could actually probably do the same talk, and it'd be a whole different audience." but <laughs> I actually wanted to say. Yeah, uh, that would be I, immediately followed
2: by the seminar on recruitment, recruitment retention, and EMS, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: but I, uh, I just decided, well, actually, what's the joy of EMS 11 years later? So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm reflecting back on that uh, that talk I did 11 years ago, and what has changed, what hasn't changed, and. Uh, and it 's all new material there's all the illustrations that are brand new, so uh, at least I 'll know there if there's somebody who's sitting out there saw eleven years ago they'll say, "Well yeah, but I didn't see those cartoons and uh, you know drawing a lot of cartoons in that short amount of time to get this ready was great uh, it, but I do love the aromic uh, the pins the fumes they give off kind of inspire me to a new place, and so um, you're going to see a lot of colors <laughs> i don 't know if it's going to be funny, but you'll see a lot of colors yeah colors are good well
0: and on an npr note what is your what gives you joy in ems
3: then what um, why 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 do you do it i'm still asking that question 25 years later but i to be honest with you i uh and again that comes back to the talk uh at the end of the day uh, there's nothing i'd rather do right than be among these people um you know i thought about the med school thing and I was only having a little trouble with the chemistry, the biology, the anatomy, physiology, <laughs> the medicine. But I decided. That <laughs> but then I, I went, was, hey, why not be a paramedic? <laughs> yeah. But I, I have actually, uh, I love the real medicine, right. and uh, it's, I've never lost that passion. And, and, I, and, you know, you can't get in front of a room and say that unless you're out there. Right. So it's important that I'm still getting out there and spit on and kicked at and, and occasionally having amr look at my stats and question it's my the, medicine. they're running, Set the them, berry now. Bar. They're running Set, them
0: now yeah. okay. in fact they all left as soon as i said right. that they were yeah. like let's go find Good the so. berry bar <laughs> <laughs>
2: on many what? occasions i think they i think what they said was we're going to the bar
0: oh <laughs> right well, <laughs> that's, well that's, that's it, it. Yeah, it's exactly it's
2: another well respected gems activity
0: <laughs> so <laughs> dr rock uh, what did you got did you have to leave to go to a presentation was that my understanding or are you okay
4: I'm okay.
0: You're okay. Cool.
4: Unless, it, it, well, if you ask hard questions, then I've got to run about uh, one minute, and I'll get back with you on that.
0: Perfect. Great. Uh, but if great. they're easy, I'm good. These have been softballs. I mean, this hasn't been too right. hard. So let's just keep it that way. Right. Well, then I'm going to ask you, why <laughs> do you? Why are you a medical director?
4: Um, why am I a medical director? So I was born at a very young age. Them yeah, Apgar is probably ten and ten. I'm thinking. Nice. Yeah. Like with yeah. nice. Wow. Um, so? No, I. Uh, I love it. And you know it's a it's a very odd career path, and I think mm. you know this. Uh, uh, four months ago, the American Board of Medical Specialties yep. recognized EMS as a subspecialty. So, moving forward, there will actually be um, formally recognized, certified EMS medical directors, which I think. You know, says to our industry, we've kind of come of age again. We're not going to make we're not going to make
2: it up as we go along anymore. <laughs> yeah.
4: No, you can still make it up as you go along, but now you have to certify that with a so,
2: scientific basis now. Yeah, but it, right. and it's
4: it's a nice. I mean, it's it's a maturation of the profession. But I, you know, I was very very fortunate in my early career to work with folks like Joe Ornato, yeah. Medical College of Virginia, mm. who just took me under his wing and said, "Hey, this EMS stuff is kind of neat." and Um, It's odd sometimes because your physician colleagues go, what the heck are you? Are you a bad doctor? Is that why you're doing EMS? Could you not get a job somewhere else? And, you know, (laughs) John Kramer says it the best. He says, you know, there's this blood type. There's just Mm. a group of folks that love it. I would much rather be in a ditch at 3.38 in the morning with a... You know, inside an overturned well. Let me just rephrase that. As long as it's not your own overturned vehicle, right? Well, mechanic. that would be bad. Yeah. Um, it's just a it's a unique practice of medicine. It's it's fascinating to think about. You know, we're talking about uh, twenty seven thousand three hundred cardiac arrests. It's fascinating to think about the huge difference a system could make so mm. amr no medicine way. well
2: a one percent improvement in exactly. cardiac arrest survival would exactly. be huge. but i have a, a an important question about your new position now i have visited austin travis county ems in the mm-hmm. past and i understood there was something about the length of the vehicle the number you know of what? sirens right, and antennas. it is can someone <laughs> help
4: me with the body you know because when <laughs> i cut them up here i'm gonna need I, help I, what has I'm, amr given you <laughs> I'm working on a helicopter. I keep asking for this, you know, CMO a quick response helicopter. helicopter. I think wow. they would be fine as long as they're mm. relatively easy to fly. I mean, I kind of. I've heard struggle. they're not that bad. It's yeah, not that hard I mean, it's, easy. it's How hard to put the key in, start the rotors, you they know, put it in the They tell me the gro- glide
2: dog. ratio is approximately zero, <laughs> however.
4: Yeah, I mean, you just steer it with that one stick thing. I mean, <laughs> that, it can't be that. How hard could that be? No. It's so. got two pedals like a car. Right.
3: It's easy. Yeah, left and right. Or like a bike.
0: <laughs> Simple.
3: So, Simple. Hey, it's more more difficult on a bike than a helicopter. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, you right. mean
0: transporting a patient? That would be more difficult.
2: You certainly have to provide your own propulsion, also. Yeah. Well, you're you're, a you're,
0: thing. Your own engine. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Anything else serious? But
4: I mean, very honestly, the so here we are in 2011 as EMS, and mm. whatever happens in healthcare reform is going to happen. But the this is a tremendous opportunity for EMS to change the way we look to change what we do to do things differently we've got this opportunity to partner with healthcare systems now and the whole concept that many of us have have hoped for for decades of mobile healthcare care and, and taking it to the next level and now is a time when we could potentially do that and you know if you put that on top of of the impact you can make by simple changes. So, in our 27,300 cardiac arrests, when we look at what the impact of hypothermia, like our colleagues mm. in in Pittsburgh or in Wake County, have shown us, we've got people who are going to be walking out of the hospital in numbers like we've never seen before. So, you know, my dad was a uh, was a minister, which probably was protective. That was probably a, a good thing. I probably got some extra protection from that. And he used to always say, "Ed." And say you know here's what you need to do in life you need to make a difference and you need to have a blast doing it mm. and if you think about ems i mean you clearly can make a huge difference in people's and providers lives and it's pretty fun i gotta tell you it's a pretty fun environment yeah, certainly not that awfully predictable which is nice and uh, uh it's a blast
0: Gosh, that was really deep. I could close right there. No, um, Steve, do you have to go? I mean, I don't. I don't want to impinge upon you guys' time here. Uh,
3: I don't know. I, that was so moving. I yeah. don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, uh, uh, I'm just, man, just, just trying. I'm. I'll, I'll, Chris, I'm going.
0: I don't have to go anywhere. Maybe I'm leaving then. Okay. No, uh, I'm not uh, trying to rush you off because I knew you guys had. Com- uh, commitments and I didn't want yeah, to
3: yeah I do have to go I know but I know uh, you do but, but I hate to leave this Steve is Kim. being committed I mean that is I know, well that that that's, that's where out. he was going actually my, my the, ambu- the ambulances are waiting that's right uh, the bracelet on my uh, ankle is tingling Be- so <laughs> <I have to. laughs> no um, has anybody ever
0: called you the funny bone of EMS <laughs> that, <laughs> that could start
3: now, yeah. and there you go. Well, no, every, but, well it depends on where the funny bone is. I mean, because uh, everyone has a different funny bone. It's true. That's true. So I just think it's in your elbow, but no, yeah, that's my no, personal no, I, I I actually don't like that expectation. I, th- I think I think humor. Don't. I think humor should be an uh, unexpected. And the problem is, if you get a certain, late, I mean, sometimes you'll be walking down a hallway and somebody say say something funny and you're like you can't do that. I'm not a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. It. And no, right no, there no, that no, was fu- but do. that's
0: funny right yeah. there. That's that's actually funny. But
3: right. I mean I mean most of the, it's, it's I never thought it was about telling jokes. I just it's thought not. it was about telling the truth. Um, right. and, and and actually humor's nothing more than an unexpected surprise. And so that's that's how I'd really like to think of it but not as a, you know, IE comic or comedian because I don't I don't view it that way at all. But I I was actually
0: going to take this in a direction you probably didn't expect. And Dr. Rock said it best that we need to enjoy what we do, and you bring an interesting perspective to it because you put down everything
3: we think. Well, Well, you haven't seen the ones I haven't printed yet. I mean, I still have to be somewhat politically correct. I understand that. But 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 I I think when about 10 years from now, and you might see some stuff that you're going to go, wow. The, the re- I'm already going wild. The retirement no, I mean, wild. volume is going to be something exactly. special. He's just going to go, I'm retired. Here you go. I can't. No. You know, you're going to say I can't walk alone with this
0: man. But if, we can't, but if we can't yeah. laugh about what we do and who we are and laugh about our and have some sort of humor and smile about it, 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 it can wear on people and it can Absolutely. make you dark and it can make you this... Pe- this person that people don't want to be around and and very angry. I think we've all had maybe partners in the past or something on an ambulance that were just grouchy and just uh, they just hated people. And this is about people. Yeah, you, and you help and but what I was going to say is you help us take care of ourselves and that's good.
3: Oh, I appreciate. that. I mean, really, it's uh, you know you sit on scene and uh, oftentimes people think you're taking writing down the vital signs and you're going. That's damn funny. I don't care who you are, and you write it down on your glove. And you, people say, "Why don't you ever throw your gloves away?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, because I'm stockpiling. Them. There's some good stuff it's on got there. Got my
2: material and on there. Some of the stuff
3: isn't. I shouldn't be saving, <laughs> but but for the most part, it's it's spontaneous, and that, that's the beauty of it. In, in chaos, it's it's chaos. Uh, sometimes gives you the best of mm. life and the worst of life, and of course that that means the highest highs, the lowest lows, and so that's the balance, right? I mean. It's, it's better to laugh and cry, but at the same time, you also want people to be aware that everything's a joke. I mean, True. if you're going right. fe- to feel the lighter side, you've got to feel the, the, the heavier part of it, but hopefully your, your, your rhythms for joy are much higher, and you have to create that because people aren't calling you because they're feeling good about life and, and what's going on, so you have to actually make that effort, and I think it's within us. I just think sometimes we have to remind ourselves to give ourselves permission. And, and, again, it's, some of, it's our humor. It's right. a lot of it we don't want anybody or to uh, share in. Or, and we know they can't appreciate it, and that's okay. It's okay to say we right. have an identity that, that, of humor that we can call our own. And I almost like it sometimes when, uh, <laughs> and you do too, I'm sure, you can look at something, no words are exchanged, and yet you're both laughing. That's because, be- you,
2: that's because I've just seen a box of Captain Crunch. Cinnamon toast. Cinnamon toast. Yeah. cinnamon toast. cinnamon toast crunch. Yes. That wait, brought, wait, wait. I'm brought in a, deep, a
3: smile to my face. I'm in a deep moment and you're looking at her box of cereal. <laughs>
4: what was that? It's
2: different.
3: I'm leaving.
4: <laughs> so I've told Steve this before, but Steve Barry is the best personal protective equipment that EMS has. I agree. Oh. Amen. You, oh, you're you, it's true. Can I go now because that's a good no, point to leave? Because at. you made some fun of somebody's Captain Crunch cinnamon thingy. But seriously, in, in the world, and you did a nice job of describing, I mean, we see people at their worst. We see people who have unexpected tragedy where their lives are crushed. We see people that kind of remind us of our own, and we go, oh, my God, I can't imagine if that was my child. And it messes with our heads. Mm-hmm. And then people like Steve Barry come along and say, don't forget that you do this for a reason. So you know what? Laugh about what you can, reset yourself, protect yourself, get back out there, and take care of folks. And that's your gift to us in EMS. Wow. You do Thank that you. Very, it's very well. That's very, very kind.
0: Thank well, you. but but and I think that what you had said too is people say be funny on demand and and. I, I see somebody different, and I and I appreciate that. So yeah. thank you. So tell thank us much. a joke. Yeah, so now we want to <laughs> know if you're funny.
3: Okay, there was just box of cereal in <laughs> <laughs> <and> Natalie's hands. <laughs> a knife went through it. We, we did catch the cereal killer. killer. Nice.
0: So, Steve, right. so before you go, where can people find you and get a hold of you if you wish?
3: <laughs> <laughs> 1 oh, 900. No, I'll be next to the, <laughs> that was the one. Catskin. On <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, if you just remember, I'm not an ambulance driver. And, uh, you know, do a search on that, you'll find me. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, that's just a play on, uh, on what people call us. But, yep. Yeah, so easy to find, you know. And again, uh, it was a privilege and honor to be sitting among you. Thank you very much. And for thank me. you
0: for writing on my table last year to continue to remind me to have you uh, here. I'll do some more.
3: Thank you. you know. I would
0: appreciate it. Thanks. Thank Great you. Driving. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Steve, Steve Barry See from com. Go there. Buy some cool stuff. It's good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, cool stuff is good. I like cool stuff. So um, come on up, Russ. Yes, be a part of the deal. Love it. So... If you're watching or listening at home, I promise I won't edit that out. Um, we're, we're doing a swap here. Steve is going to get ready for his keynote tomorrow and uh, was so gracious on coming on. Hello, Steve. Oh, wait, that's Russell. Hi, Russ. Note, note, note <laughs> he, no, he, he, hates me because I, he, he hates me because I always mess up his name. You can never get it right. Russell Stein. Oh, now you do. Yeah, of course. It took me all night to remember that, so, you know. <laughs> Had to write on a little note card. Yeah. Yes. Russell, Russell, Stein. I yeah. feel like I'm bad in cleanup, though. It's not, no. it's Actually, my computer's mostly blank, no. um, like my mind. Uh, <laughs> so, Russell, you've been on the podcast before. Tell us who you are. What do you write? Don't you write one of those things on I, the
6: interweb? web? type one of those blog things. I uh, write, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a uh, firefighter paramedic for the city of Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, I write hybridmedic.com. Well, I type hybridmedic com. Cool. Well, so can I ask, where did you get that name? Where did you come up with that name? Um, all the other good ones were taken. Yeah. <laughs> so, like geeky uh, medic. I mean, yeah. like the EMS garage. Hey, yeah. that was an awesome one. Yeah, nerd medic sh- didn't sound too good, and uh, yeah, uh, there were other some other kind of derogatory names. So it's like, oh, I think this one will work. Very cool. So. Nice. So, what do
0: you? What have you found while you've been here that you're interested in and? And what's
6: been good topics? Have you have you made any of the sessions? Um, Well, I just got out of uh, Dr. Wesley's Lasix kills lecture. Ah, nice. Mm. Yeah, and Lasix Mm. does kill. Mm.
2: Mm. Cinnamon toast (laughs) crunch does not kill. No, cinnamon toast crunch is tasty. It it kills
0: (laughs) slowly over time. Right there you go. Well, yeah. Well, that's That's a few prolonged (laughs)
4: chronic death.
0: Right. but but it, but you feel really
6: good while you're going. So. I die a little piece inside, but I feel good on the- <laughs> It's really it's food. It's not tr- nutrition. We'll remind you of that. Yes.
0: Yes. What are we why are we doing this now on the show? Thank you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Podcast uh, bomb.
6: <coughs> anyway,
2: for those in our listening audience that was the smiling face of Greg Freeze.
6: I think that was a, the first ever podcast bomb. That was
0: awesome. I like
4: that.
6: Occurred. That
0: was fun. I think I got punked right here. So, Dr. Rock, uh, is Lasix killing people?
4: Uh, Lasix is not the drug we used to think it was. Ah, It's a, uh, a Keith spot on, I think. you know we've As with many things, you know, I've often thought, here's the day when all of us are going to get to heaven. We're going to get up there and... There's going to be this big, long line of people that are waiting to meet us. Hey, who are you guys? We're the Isoprel people. Oh, no. <laughs> Hang on. The Mast people want to talk with you. Oh. And now it's the Lasix people. The nifedipine folks are right oh, around yeah, the corner. Yeah.
6: And then the spine board people are and behind the spine board people. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> they're they're moving in. So, um, you know, we understand more about the pathophysiology of heart failure. And as Keith has very nicely done in some articles and as he talks about you know, we're sometimes we treat what we think are the right things, but mm. indeed, you know, we're we're dehydrating people who are intravascularly depleted in the first place. So, interesting. I think he said it so was so, like so.
2: After that, will be the what do you mean you're not doing CPAP people?
4: I don't know about oh yeah yeah CPAP oh, absolutely right, yeah. yeah I had it took a minute there let's see not well I did yeah CPAP fabulous.
6: I think the statistic was like change. 50% mortality within like six months or something holy like that. cow because of well with the hospital admission so it was, it's i'm probably wrong but, but you know it's i learned a lot from it it's, yeah that's, <laughs> that's, that's why there's not a test at the end <laughs> yeah, of exactly i would have you know
4: it's interesting because a lot of folks don't look at congestive heart failure as i mean it has a mortality that's higher than many cancers mm-hmm. we don't treat it the same way but um it's a pretty nasty disease process and right. You know, Keith's right on target. We've thrown these little, you know, our armamentarium at them, and and we start to realize, hey, wait a minute, we're intravascularly depleting someone who's already intravascularly dry. They're already struggling to get a decent cardiac output. We just make it worse. Mm -hmm. Like nifedipine with hypertensive crisis. It's like, hey, their blood pressure's better, but, oh, we probably just made them worse.
6: Yeah, and they have that that rebound heart failure in the ICU. That, yep. uh,
2: that undocumented human subjects experimentation
0: that yep. we Exactly. Well, and so we've we we in medicine it is an art and that's under, that's okay. We sometimes treat the symptoms without understanding the entire process. Right. And and CPAP, I think that's a very valid point that even if you don't think you need it, you should probably carry it and know how to use it. It's so simple and it's so very easy simple. and it makes a huge difference. So a
4: friend of mine is an anesthesiologist. He was telling me the other day that in the anesthesia world, there's a big interest in using CPAP immediately after routine, uncomplicated um, surgical procedures in the recovery room because you can inflate the alveoli so much faster, so Mm. much better, that they get out of bed quicker, that they have a lower incidence of atelectasis, and their recovery period is shortened. So, I mean, it's these things that we kind of, as we see what the science can do, as the art explores what the science will do, you start to realize, boy, there's some there's some neat things we can do to get patients feeling. But you know, here's the other one. I don't mean to. No, move this on, is great. But, no, know, this is perfect. <laughs> Keep going. Narcotic analgesia in belly pain. Mm. You know, there was a time period when we'd say, don't give narcotics to anybody who's got belly pain because the surgeon has to examine the patient, see exactly where the pain is, make sure that. They can follow the pain. Well, today, any one of us goes into the emergency department and says, "Ah, oh, I've got this horrible belly pain." You have any of a white count? You get any fever? You're going to the scanner. So, you know, to make patients comfortable, or to make them comfortable so you can examine them better, so we've evolved in that in that arena.
2: You, you, yeah? mean, you mean we don't leave them uh, without pain control so we can? Check for rebound tenderness
4: right, over and over again. <laughs> right, over and over
2: again. So, so, <laughs> so, our so no, no, Ow. no, narcotic examination-based torture.
6: On the, and the, I'm
2: glad to hear that's changing. I kind of laughed yeah, when yeah, I was yeah.
6: I was reading a, a summary about about abdominal pain and pain management. Is that they the surgeons got that from a book that was written in the 20s? So they uh, oh and wow. they just kind of stuck with it as a general rule of thumb, and then and then the uh, the science finally caught up and. Now we're starting to see that change over to, oh, it's an eight. It's an eight. Let's give some, oh, 15. Let's give some morphine there or something, a fentanyl drug of choice.
0: Yeah. Oh, fentanyl. No more
4: well, morphine. Well, and, and there's there another you one. And yeah, it's another. I mean, right. the evolution, I remember, uh, matter of fact, in many systems, there are many folks that say, ooh, devil's drug. You know, it's mm. potency, the risk of abuse, the risk that, you know, folks are going to break into the ambulance to get it. Uh, but as... You look at. Matter of fact, I just uh, reviewed uh, Art Kanowitz's article from mm. 2006 that looked at fentanyl and its efficacy in the out-of-hospital environment. It's a. It's a when used appropriately, like anything, it's a very safe drug. Probably better in terms of side effect profile. But ooh, there was a time when that was absolutely something that was contraindicated.
6: They probably need better Sorry. protections from us using it instead of the. Our yeah, but it's thing. so short-acting; it's hard to. I don't know. I mean, the
0: addictive part portion versus the use on a patient seems much, much higher um, as part of the efficacy. And I think the other piece of it for me is we need to move away from morphine, especially for us where we have long transports in Colorado, um, and go to Dilaudid or something like that, a, a much more sophisticated drug to take care of people over a longer period of time.
2: Ed, do you ever see uh, something like propofol? making it out mm. to
4: the field. Uh, that's a, a drug that's used frequently in the entertainment industry. Um, <laughs> yes. you know, that's a tough one. That's a tough one because it's got it's a little bit tougher to manage. It's a very good drug for what it's mm. a very good drug for what it does. Um,
2: I enjoy I've enjoyed I, it a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I to say in a professional I, environment, I could, yeah. of course, you might want
4: to <laughs> just kind of wean back so you can walk out of the uh, <laughs> out of the exhibit hall, but um, I don't see there aren't there aren't clear-cut reasons why it absolutely could not be used. I think that's going to be one that's going to that has a few more hurdles than other drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, I just listened to a fascinating presentation on the use of lipids in uh, overdose, lipid infusion for patients who've got polysubstance overdose. I hadn't thought until last week about the idea that you could use lipids in the EMS environment for unknown, substance overdose, that uh, could potentially uh, dramatically and very quickly uh, improve uh, hemodynamics, you know, the, the adverse effects of a whole series of, of different drugs. So, you know, the neat thing about this discussion is EMS is a practice of medicine. Right. EMS is a practice of medicine. So we talked about the board certification. We're talking about morphine. We're talking about fentanyl. We're talking about propofol. We're talking about... You know, did we do the right thing with LASIKs? What are we doing with spine boards? How, how about oh. mast? How about, you know, things that make a difference in people's physiology in a very weird environment, different environment. So we're trying to fix physiology on the floor of the Seven Eleven, or in their home or in a car. It's very neat that we're having these kinds of discussions to say, what does make a difference? And how does it make a difference? And does it make and a good difference versus a, a bad difference? difference? And, well, yeah. hypothermia. Yep. So I'll tell you what, if I, uh, if I drop to the floor here and go into cardiac arrest, and, of course, you always worry about having a cardiac arrest in the exhibit hall because all these yes. AEDs would come out and they'd all be trainers. Oh, it's another <laughs> trainer. Oh, it's just got a 9-volt battery. If you go
2: down, I'm heading for the angle booth. We'll get the cold and bring it on over. There you go. But nice. so,
4: so that's the interesting discussion is, you know, I, I would certainly – Want to undergo therapeutic hypothermia if I had a cardiac arrest and returned spontaneous circulation. So the jury's out in the, in the literature about whether that should occur right here on the exhibit floor, whether it should occur in the ambulance, whether it should occur in the emergency department. But, you know, there's a good amount of evidence that says it should occur sometime in those intervals. So the challenge is how do we in EMS say, how do we logistically answer that question? How do we figure out how to provide hypothermia rolling down the highway, on the floor of the exhibit hall, out in the 7-Eleven, and that's fun stuff to sort through, because the prize at the end of that, uh, the end of that rainbow is we we have people with uh, better neurologically intact survival, and mm. that's fun.
0: Well, inevitably, it'll probably be a paramedic, EMT, physician that comes up with the next solution for how how we do that easier better, safer. It's just, it makes so much sense. And, you know, we see, you know, okay, this is a great idea. And we take kind of the best of all things. And then you get these brilliant guys that can just go, oh, well, if we did this, it would be so simple.
4: I mean, think about, and there there are a lot of folks working on oxygen carrying fluids, but think, and, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully in our lifetime, we're going to see that in the field environment where it's practical, where it's appropriate. Think about, what a huge difference you could make with those patients who you know have uncontrolled internal hemorrhage. We can't do anything. We drive fast, we get them to the trauma center as quick as we can't do much more. So then all of a sudden we get oxygen carrying capabilities. We're able to sustain perfusion, to get them to the operating room, to get them corrected. Huge, huge impact on survival, morbidity, and mortality. And you know that's future, but it's not. Too, too far future. future. The future just keeps
2: sneaking up quick yes, right quicker and does. quicker, doesn't it? Yes, well, it does.
0: And you st- we have about five minutes left, so I'm going to um, – I want to do one more future thing. And my question is ultrasound in the field. What? Where are we going with that? Is that – I mean, are we going to continue to treat – you know, are we going to continue to use the cardiac monitor as our our only diagnostic tool, per se, in the field versus, you know, other, other bigger – Medical tools that we could be using
4: it's a very good question, and if you look at you know the challenge with ultrasound in the field now is the challenge of very early ultrasound in the emergency department many many years ago, which is you know if i if I've got ultrasound capability in the field and i've got a motor vehicle crash and you know I ultrasound someone 's belly and I say, whoo I've not seen anything looks like it's okay. do I not take them to a trauma center
3: mm. uh,
1: I yeah, don't know about like, that. Does, so, does, does
2: that new piece of information
4: actually contribute to
2: a bingo. useful decision? Bingo. Uh, Good point. Bingo.
4: Uh, you but, you know, I, I am a big fan that, uh, as a matter of fact, I could go on and on about this, but the whole concept of um, paramedic airway management, paramedic brain power, paramedic procedural stuff, uh, sometimes we tie ourselves to a procedural um, identity. So, you know, if yep. I can do XYZ, i Z, I'm great. If you think about cardiologists, you know, there are interventional cardiologists. There are um, uh, imaging cardiologists. There are electrophysiologists. They're all cardiologists, but they have a special skill set. So this concept of ultrasound means we add more info mm. to the practitioner in the field to make a decision. And I always think that's good, but you're spot on. So the question is, once I've got that information, what do I do? There are some things uh, like pseudo-EMD. So are they really pulseless, or do you take a look and you see the myocardium move and you say, you know what, they're just so hypovolemic, Mm. um, or they're so uh, vasodilated that you can't feel a peripheral pulse. But you know what, you still have myocardial activity. I think there's value in that.
2: You know, the other other day, um, the vet showed up to visit my wife's horse. With a laptop-based X-ray machine, oh, okay. and, wow. I, and, and me, I'm thinking, Man. knowing what my friends in yeah, emergency room do, going with that one. I'm wanting the BlackBerry-based CT scanner, and we can simply <laughs> scan the patient. It's <laughs> very and Star tell, Trek. And tell our colleagues in the hospital and in the uh, and in the trauma center, here's the scan. Here's what we
4: got. Y'all get ready. Oh, come on. You you probably think there's like a 12-lead that you can get on an iPhone or something. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that must come not em. be silly here. Someday, yeah. someday. Or you could get CPR coaching on a BlackBerry. Come on. That's <laughs> not going to happen. No, you're right. Uh, we are evolving. Stand by. The future will be here shortly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's Deep funny stuff. that
0: we're we're moving into this idea of the future, and we're still not into space, but that's another topic. So anyway, Um Dr. Rock, where can people find you? Where, If you yeah. want to be found. That's the um,
4: you can find me in my offices in Greenwood Village. Uh, I'm ed.rocht at emsc.net email. Um, you can Google. Don't Google me. Yeah, probably not a good thing. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> that just sounds weird. Um, mm. Ed.rocht at emsc.net um, through AMR. Um, any of them know how to get me? Uh, anytime.
0: Great. Well thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. We very
4: much appreciate being here.
0: Come on anytime you want to, you know, sit around and chat about EMS things. We we'd love it. I
4: absolutely will take cool. you up on that. Great. Thanks thank for having you. me.
0: Thank you very much.
6: Uh Russell Stein, where can people find you? Hybrid Medic dude. Hybridmedic.com. Um uh, hybrid medic at gmail.com. HybridMedic blog on Facebook. And then yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Cool. So can
4: I do a uh Joe Holly, your medical director? Yes. Joe Holly is one of the best medical directors on the planet. I have. Uh, a, and, and, and don't and tell him we said that. Let's just. Let I, I've, I've heard he might. All right.
0: He's around here somewhere. So he's oh awesome. Man, he's, he's probably with an earshot.
4: Fabulous. He's talking about medical directors. I get it.
0: Nice. Good guy. Good guy skip where can people find you and we had your medical director on here yesterday oh yeah, did yeah. you? Have,
2: did you have brent on yeah you he know, was great it was you fun. know you know that's one of the coolest things about my job is getting to work with brent we just have a blast do you do uh, you
0: actually have
4: to give reports to his parole officer or how does that work <laughs> uh, i
2: i do have to check the tightness of his ankle bracelet once a week <laughs> and, and it works fine and and he right. does the same for me so yeah. we're all good um, you can find, you can reach me by email at skip.kirkwood at NEMSMA.org. Uh, pre- th- I
0: forgot to introduce you as the president of NEMSMA. Uh-huh. Ah. I didn't
2: know and, that. F- and for those of you who are out there that lead, manage,
0: supervise EMS agencies,
2: uh, think about NEMSMA. We, we're looking for you,
0: and you ought to be looking for us. Even um, if you don't you can you should be a part of it because it that you guys have great tips and the Google group is amazing you can you can find anything you want on that Google group. We have about sixteen hundred
2: members on an, on an email group that spans the country and several other countries and I have yet to find uh, a question that somebody on the list doesn't have an answer for
0: well and uh, I think the cool part about that is the um, My brain just went when Ed said he was leaving. I'm trying to go there. Where is it going? (laughs) This is the conversation in my mind. Oh, it's free. It's free on the Google Group. You can get all that information for free. Y'all join us. It's
2: uh, Nemsma at GoogleGroups.com. Cool. Thank you very much. Sign up and
0: have a good time. Thank you very much. And I'm Chris Monterra, the Geeky Medic on all the websites, Twitter, Facebook, anything else. You've been watching the EMS Garage on. You stream And we're being streamed due to the Medtronic Foundation, courtesy of the podcast studio here at EMS Today, 2011 in Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you very much. And until next time,
1: we'll see
0: you. Oh, coming up next is the... Oh, we're done. We're done? That's it? No Educast? No... We're done? There's no more GenMed? There's nothing? Oh tomorrow. Alright, join us tomorrow. Sorry you streamers, you're gonna have to watch tomorrow. You can watch yesterday's though. Bye. Genmed tomorrow. Watch it. It'll be fun. Okay, bye. Alright, welcome back to the noisy floor from the EMS today. And 2011. I can't remember what year we're in for some reason. This we're coming to you from the Medtronic Foundation Podcast Studio, and I'm really excited today to have gentlemen with us from the Heart Rescue Project, and they're going to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about who they are, what they do, and and why you're involved in this.
5: Sure, uh, my name is Ben Bobrow. I'm an emergency physician and uh, an EMS medical director at the Arizona Department of Health Services. And um, also, I uh, am on faculty at the University of Arizona, and I'm representing our heart rescue, Arizona heart rescue partner.
0: Oh, very cool. And it's my understanding that um, in Arizona, the, the university actually covers the Department of Health, as a, or covers part of the public health department, and they also take care of the rural health division. Is that right? <laughs>
5: Close. Okay. So they're actually different. Uh, the Department of Health and University are different, but they do uh, have several programs at the university that actually, there is a program that actually does rural public health. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, but they're actually different state entities. Oh, okay. Did not realize that. Well, yeah. thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
7: My name is Jamie Jollis. I'm a cardiologist at Duke University. A, a cardiologist is a heart doctor or, or plumber. Um, <laughs> I also work with our statewide system of uh uh, emergency cardiac care, which is called RACE, and it's about a 1,000 healthcare professionals, um, 540 EMS agencies, doing wow. this for about five years. Uh, the reason I got involved, as a cardiologist, there's, uh, I think, no more challenging patient than, than the patient who suffered a cardiac arrest. It usually comes out of the blue. It's devastating. The family's not had a chance to think about it. And my first questions are, uh, how long were they down? What was their rhythm? Did they get CPR? and how were they cared for afterwards with the hope that if this went well, they'll, they'll recover. And otherwise, if it didn't go well, if there was no CPR, they were down a long time, they're not going to make it. These are very difficult patients to take care of. So for the first 15, 20 years of my career, I was involved in just taking care of someone after the arrest, and myself with many colleagues decided to get together and intervene on that front end. And that's what Heart Rescue is about. Uh, bystander CPR, recognizing cardiac arrest, number 911, working with EMS agencies to make sure that when they get to me, they're going to make it.
1: Very cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Jamie. I appreciate it. Doug? I'm Graham Nichol. I'm a, an emergency physician at the University of Washington, where I direct the Center for Pre-Hospital Emergency Care, which has a portfolio of studies intended to treat people with acute life-threatening illness. I am involved because I know that there's a 500% variation in survival after cardiac arrest around the country, mm. and so we can do better. And because cardiac arrest is the third leading cause of death in this country, we must do better.
0: Well, and I think that brings me to my next point, and I don't know if you guys had a chance to see the USA Today article this morning on the gentleman that had 96 minutes of CPR. That's incredible, and he, he's neurologically intact. Um, do you think that that's maybe a telling tale of where we're going with cpr that you know early in my career 20 years in we kind of we really didn't you know we'd go on scene we'd try a little bit and then you know we'd we'd pronounce the people do you think that we're really moving into a a generation of medicine where we we're really going to try a little bit harder get get out of this idea that everybody needs all these drugs but really it's about the it's about the cpr
5: I, i think so Okay. I think we're in that, that new era. Um, in fact, I, I think about my career, when I first started out my career about 15, 20 years ago as an intern, I was taught that people who had a cardiac arrest outside the hospital were dead. Don't get too worked up about it uh, because they're all dead. And maybe it was true at the time, but it's clearly not true now. And you know CPR, I think, is kind of a, a funny thing because if you do CPR like you don't believe in it, you don't really think it's going to work. Right, it's right. a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're sort of doing it half-heartedly. But if you really believe in CPR and you pay attention and you and you understand the, the really important hemodynamic parts of CPR and you do them, um, you you have survivors like that extraordinary case of the gentleman who had 96 minutes of CPR and walked out of the hospital.
0: Well, I think the other thing in that article that got pointed out was that they had over two dozen Different rescuers yeah. doing CPR. I mean, it's got to be effective. You've got to make sure you're doing it proper depth, proper rate, all of those things. And and I think that you know we've found in some of the studies that it we get tired after a couple minutes. We've got to we've got to continue to swap people out. So I, that to me is amazing. I just I'm completely blown away by that. And Graham, you'd said that it um, there's a 500 difference around the country. Explain that a little bit. What does that What does that mean?
1: Well, that means that depending on which community you live in, you either have a low chance or a high chance of survival, and 500% is a huge variation for stroke or heart attack, other conditions that that medics and first responders treat. There's only a 25 or 50% difference from community to community. Good so, point. so if we're trying to improve public health, we need to focus on better blood blood flow, as Ben said, and. Uh, or early consideration of cooling and other treatments like that, as Jamie said.
7: And, and getting back to the CPR piece, this is the perfect time. So again, as a cardiologist, uh, for better or for worse, I've done a lot of CPR in my day. We have People have rest all the time is the nature of our work. Often it's in the cardiac catheterization laboratory where they're actually hooked up to monitors at the time and you can actually see their blood pressure on the monitor and you know what you're doing. Mm. And we've known for years, you just push hard and fast and if you keep that pulse pressure up, they're going to make it. We also know, for instance, Julius in our cath lab is the best CPR, and there's a couple other colleagues, and we know to get them on the (laughs) the chest. Now, uh, Dr. Gordon Avey in Arizona was a pioneer in this area, and he said all along we should be uh, focusing on chest compressions. And now finally, for at least for bystander CPR, we're saying that, and that's going to make a big difference, I think.
5: It also is an easier (laughs) message for the public to get, and that's sort of an added bonus. You know, making it really simple and clear-cut, especially in emergency, I think gets more people to do some CPR.
0: Well, and I, well, I think that's important. And you know, they—I was listening to the radio driving to work the other day, and the um, one of the radio ads was, you know, you can with two hands you can save a life and it's just pump hard pump fast grab the center of the chest and and they're teaching people on the radio how to do cpr we never you know i remember back in the 80s when they were teaching us you know there was a lady with a gun over my head you know if i didn't do it right or whatever and
5: now we've come kind of this point where everybody can do it and that to me is amazing yeah and that's that's really for as far as bystanders that's still our big problem Mm -hmm. most people don't get any cpr
0: right it's it's scary the, it's scary to touch somebody that's dead.
7: Th- there's two ideas here. One is training and one is certification. If you're doing CPR in me, I want you to be certified, have a card, know how to do it. No question about that. Right. On the other hand, our current system's not working. In, in my state, only one in five people get CPR and the rest just lie there dead oh. on the ground. And we need a better system than what we currently have. And I think this training idea and keeping it simple and the hands only CPR is the way to go. You know, Ben's been a great uh, leader in this in Arizona.
0: Well, I just um, wanted to talk a couple more minutes about the, what are some of the statistics surrounding cardiac, sudden cardiac arrest? And when we compare it to cancer or something like that, where, where does it fall? Is it, is it the number one killer?
5: Uh,
1: cardiac arrest is the third leading cause of death in this country, out of hospital cardiac arrest. And when you add in in-hospital cardiac arrest, it, it's even more of a problem. We know that about 8% of people around the country who lose mechanical activity of the heart survive to discharge. But we also know that in some communities, uh, among patients who are treated for cardiac arrest, uh, the survival can be much greater, as high as 40 or 50% in some communities when we look at survival after witness ventricular fibrillation.
0: Now, are you... You're from the Seattle area, with Washington. Um, are you guys still the highest? Do you guys still have the highest rate of out-of-hospital
1: survival? That that is for other people to to comment on. It's not for me. Very okay. high. Well, I Very think Graham, Graham doesn't
5: want to kind of toot their own horn. Uh, well, I'm asking, but, he, but they do. <laughs> right. They do have amongst the highest survival rates in the country that wow. that the other sites are aspiring to. But why? Why?
1: Well, I think it's in part because people have been trying to measure and improve process and outcome after cardiac arrest in Seattle for more than 40 years and sure. it's surrounding King County for a, a slightly shorter period of time. And the more you look at something, the better things are. I mean, Kelvin said, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. And I think that's still true today.
5: But Graham and his colleagues they've been paying attention to this for a long time. Right. and monitoring details, important important details and working on them and training the community and working on their their emergency medical response and the whole thing. So they, you know, they, this has been attention to detail over years. It's well, not by chance.
0: And have we, <coughs> excuse me, have we found that, they're, that the response time for the EMS agency matters now that we're kind of rolling out the message that everybody can do CPR. Or mm, I mean, is that st- because back back in the day it used to be about the drugs and
1: it used to be about the advanced care? W- what is it? I, I think what we found over time is that there are no magic bullets. There's no magic drug. Um, it's a, a lot of it is about a culture change. I think what Ben has has uh, done in Arizona in part uh, has been to work with his EMS providers to teach them that cardiac arrest is a treatable condition and so they keep working it and they get good outcomes. I think Jamie has done the same thing in North Carolina for heart attacks. He has taught his EMS Mm -hmm. providers to recognize and respond quickly Uh, and, and so as a consequence we're moving from how things were when you first entered the the healthcare field 20 years ago, as it was when Jamie and Ben and I entered, uh, maybe a few years before or after that. <laughs> uh, in those days, the glass was half full, right, or half empty. Now it's now it's half full.
0: So
7: we always talk about this chain of survival, but really, there's data now which shows that if the dispatcher recognizes it's a cardiac arrest you're twice as likely to survive. Oh. And literally, you know, less than a two-minute difference in arrival time to the scene is the difference between making it or not. So it really does make a huge difference from that, that initial call to arrival. We also have good data that shows if that medical dispatch can instruct the person on how to do CPR while they're waiting, that makes a huge difference. So it's really right up front where all these important things make a big difference. I want to
5: underscore one thing that Graham said about um, sur- cardiac arrest being a survivable condition. That is a paradigm shift for most EMS providers in the country. And some people have made that shift, um, but that's something that, you know, I know that they sort of have this motto in Seattle that if you arrive on scene and someone's in VF, you should save them. Not Mm. you won't save them or you might luckily get some survivor, but you should save them. And if they don't survive, maybe things didn't go as smoothly or, uh, you know, as well as they should have.
0: That's interesting. I mean, that's interesting that you would you really put the onus back on the crew then to say you guys should be trying a little harder and, and doing it right and you have to be a little bit more flawless
7: and, and you just never know what the underlying rhythm was i would right. expect that person for 96 minutes of cpr may have had some pulse pressure to the brain for part of that you just don't know you need everything and you find out you know, days later whether it was successful or not but you right. can't decide up front not to
0: go very good point well, thank you guys. Thanks, Docs. I appreciate it. And where we can find more information at the at heartrescueproject.com. and I and Medtronic Foundation also has a website. But are there any final thoughts or words about the the Heart Rescue Project that um, you'd like to talk about?
7: So, uh, just the point of Heart Rescue is we all know what to do. The uh, community knows what to do. EMS knows what to do. Hospitals don't know what to do but our healthcare system is missing mm. this coordination of plans and what heart rescue mm. really does is it brings everyone together to have the same plan and do the right thing and it's actually the application of things we already know are going to save the most lives and heart rescue is really critical of bringing that about and otherwise this wouldn't happen
5: yeah, i think sort of the message all of us we believe that we can do this on a large scale this is going Im- to impact thousands and thousands of people you're absolutely right well thank you guys very much and thank enjoy the enjoy the conference.